Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Coming up on episode 223 of Wheel Bearings, the hot Audi RS6 Avant, a couple of plug-in hybrids from BMW and Lincoln, the Android Automotive in the 2022 Chevrolet Tahoe, the Subaru Forester Wilderness, Nissan's upcoming electric vehicle plans, the new Genesis G90, Ford and GM and chips, all that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 230, uh, 223 of Wheelbearings, getting a little bit ahead of myself there. I am Sam Abu-Al-Samad of Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin with True Car. And I am Roberto Baldwin with, let's say, TechCrunch. And Nicole, what have you been yes. driving around in? Well, I um, was driving around in a vehicle that I've actually driven before, so it's kind of like take two, but instead of just on a drive program, I'm actually getting to drive it around the neighborhood. I had the all-new 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, um, which I drove maybe about a month ago or so out in Bend, Oregon, and we got to take it, do a little off-roading, which was super fun. But now I had it, like, really honestly in a more everyday circumstances. I mean, I had this through Thanksgiving week, so I ferried my kids around in it. I ferried my mom around in it. I ferried a lot of pumpkin pie and leftover turkey in it. Uh, So I had a week to sort of live with this car. Uh, It is sort of the off-roady version of what's already a little bit of an off-roady car. It is priced at, I just lost the price. Um, Yeah, I'll find it in a second. But it adds in a little extra ground clearance. It adds in a little extra protection. It has um, 17-inch wheels, all-terrain tires. It has a front skid plate, um, and it can tow up to 3,000 pounds. It's got water-resistant seating surfaces. So it's like you're a little, you're slightly more capable version of your Forester, which you could, I mean, it's not like you're going to go rock crawling in this, but you can actually do a little bit of off-roading in it. Uh, now that I found the pricing, the Wilderness starts at 32820 so it's about $33,000. So it's not crazy expensive. It's not like you're having to move up and, and pay an exorbitant amount more where the base trim starts at twenty five. dollars So you're, it's, it's a jump, but it's a reasonable jump. Um, you get and it's things. well below the average selling price of new cars today, which is, I think, 
last I saw was about 41,000 now. Exactly. So it's like you're moving up, like within the Forester lineup. Yeah, you're you're paying more. You could get the cheapest Forester for 25, but for 32, you can get this. And that doesn't sit at the top of the lineup. There's still the limited and there's still the touring, which actually come in higher because they get basically like an upgraded interior. If you want the fancy, if you want it to be like the more elegant, can you can a Subaru be elegant? If you want <laughs> That's a weird by Subaru standards, yeah. By Subaru yeah. standards, if you want the elegant Subaru, you can go with a limited for thirty two or for the touring at thirty five. Um, and get, you know, fancier speakers, that kind of thing. But the wilderness sort of sits in the middle at thirty two eight two oh nine point two inches of ground clearance. So it you can actually drive over we we did some not super rugged. We weren't rock crawling, but we we managed some uneven terrain when we were in Oregon, and it handles it well. But getting to drive it around for a week of just living with it, like taking to the grocery store, taking the family around, taking the kids here and there, it's a very it's a very livable, very comfortable vehicle. It's easy, and it's you don't worry about ruining in the interior. I had somebody who said to me, "Oh, he said I have a dog." He messaged me on Twitter and said, "I have a dog, and does that have the extra protection for the dog, or is it you know enough that you could you could just put your pets in there and not worry about it?" And I'm like, "Well, it you know has it's a Subaru. It's got a pretty it's designed for dogs. interior. It's yeah, literally they, made for dogs. It's it all... is made for dogs. The fact it's... that there's a human behind the wheel, they're like, oh well, I guess we have to do that. But it's like it's made for dogs." So I really, truly wouldn't be worried about putting my dog in there with some muddy paws. If you're super anal about how clean your car stays, get a cover to cover it so you don't have to worry about little claws or muddy footprints. But this is a, a, a relatively rough and ready crossover SUV. I guess you call it an SUV, technically compact SUV. Uh, so I feel like it's a good choice. I am a fan of it. I think for the pricing and for what it does... It's great. I, we were supposed to get snow. I was really hoping we'd get some decent uh, snow. You can put yeah. the snow button. Yes. Yeah, couldn't use the snow button because I look uh, outside and the amount of snow we got was an amount of snow where you looked and went, is that frost or is that uh, snow? You have to second guess it. You're like, you have to that? second guess if it's real. And I'm like, that's not uh, enough to use a snow button. That's not enough to engage X mode and fully put this <laughs> to the test. I could not engage the X mode. So I, 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 I've talked about this one on the show before because I believe I talked about it during the, when I did the first drive. So it sort of just reinforced what I, what I had learned out there is that, you know, it's a good price. It's a good vehicle. It's a tough vehicle. It's good for the outdoorsy active lifestyle so that you don't have feel like it's so delicate inside that you're going to ruin things the first time you toss in a pair of muddy boots or your dog runs through with muddy paws or your kids are just kids because they're i don't know they just breed mess everywhere kids go children children (laughs) children jeez um dogs are definitely better dogs are definitely easier to deal with children (laughs) (laughs) and they don't expect to go to college or anything like that no they don't expect you to pay tens of thousands of dollars to educate them i mean my daughter's going to school and spent writing checks for 10 grand every so many months my dog i just paid 500 dollars, and he's all trained we're good you know see 500 bucks the best tuition Way easier for that tuition cost. No, no need to fill out FAFSA forms and get student loans at all. So none of that. I, I of drove that. that 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 out the the Outback Wilderness a few weeks ago, and it, it's great. I really liked it. I like. Yeah. The, it's the ground clearance is nearly that of a G wagon, and so and it's you, actually you, slightly more than what you get, you know, in Ford's Bronco Sport, which is you know their supposedly off-road rugged compact utility. Yeah. 
I mean, it, you know, the Broncos the sport, I always think of it as a baby Bronco. But it doesn't feel, and I know it's done some pretty rugged stuff. I mean, they ran that thing in the Rebel and they won, but it's, I don't think I would really off-road in that. I, like as a rule, <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's a it's more of a fr- it's not a, it's more like a fraternal twin where one of the twins got like all the cool like athletics and the other one's Danny DeVito. And <laughs> it's kind of the like, of the family. So, so yeah. the Bronco is is Arnold and the Bronco Sport is Danny DeVito. <laughs> kind of yeah, but Danny DeVito Danny DeVito's got a lot of great you know he's you know Danny DeVito he's a, he's a great actor he's hilarious he's a nice guy there's nothing wrong with Danny DeVito the Bronco he's is just, a, Bronco Sport is a perfectly nice little utility yeah. it know. is way better than the Escape which it's based oh, yeah. on don't buy the Escape buy the Bronco if you're looking at the Escape mm-hmm. I want you to stop and I want you to go over and look at the Bronco Sport stop it right but now. also cross shop it with the uh, Outback Wilderness because you could I, I like the fact that it's like waterproof or water resistant and you just you can just have filthy things in there well and you know i love that i'm assuming it's probably the same water resistant <laughs> fabric that's in the forester or whatever it is it doesn't look cheesy and cheapy and no, it doesn't plastic. look cheap at anything like when you first nice. glance at it you're like oh what is the, like you notice that it's not really leather but you also it looks it doesn't more look like upscale. pleather it doesn't yeah. look it doesn't look cheap and it gross doesn't look or like cheap imitation or neoprene it doesn't look neoprene. like a like a yeah. wetsuit remember though you put like wetsuit on your seats back in the yes. 90s it, that was well, that was a bad scene that was a bad <laughs> idea but no this it's actually a material that looks it's durable but it looks nice that's yeah. kind of the cool thing about a Subaru it never looks it, it's always durable it always holds up to whatever you throw at it but it never looks like it's only goal is just to preserve itself it's like I'm going to look good doing this I'm, you're, you throw the mud on me it's okay but I don't look like it's just like it's not like you know the plastic that your great grandma put over the couch so the couch yeah it doesn't look like that <laughs> it's not that in some cars you're like oh you've done the plastic couch thing this one you're like no 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 you're letting me sit on the couch the couch is just going to hold up excellent <laughs> yeah yeah we we actually have a, a question from a listener later that's related to this topic so we'll we'll, we'll come back to uh seat coverings later okay. on in the show all right anything else on the forester wilderness no that covers it also oh no it doesn't so it's technically bronze trim and someone got mad at me because i said it looked orange it's kind of an orangey bronze i know there's already orange accents and it's like burnished bronze or something it's kind of orangey guys in real it life. looks orange yeah i was like you're colorblind that is not bronze that's not orange i'm like it's kind of orange as i'm sitting here staring at it it looks orange if someone doesn't tell you it's bronze you're like oh look at that orange trim don't, exactly don't, yeah, don't be little... don't be pedantic people about color yeah what he said don't <laughs> well, be pedantic and, and about different color. people see color in different ways so the yeah, that's dog true. seconds that idea. The dog seconds the idea. Dog's like, yes, rip. Yeah. She doesn't see color in any way we do, but she knows <laughs> what we're talking about. Nico. All right. Roberto, what have you been in? I have been in two, actually three, but two that I will, well, one of them's a motorcycle. Um, first, I'm going to talk about the, the, okay, so whenever we get cars, we're always like, I, there's, there's an expectation of what the car is going to be. And sometimes the hype sort of over, you know, it's, it's the high, it, a lot of vehicles don't live up to the hype, especially when you get the press release and you're like, oh, and you drive, you're like, okay, well, they got 80% there, which is actually pretty good. You know, 20% just, you know, hyperbole. Um, to last Tuesday, I got the Audi RS6 Avant. 
Mm. Does it live and up to the hyperbole? It does live up to the hyperbole. I love that car. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very expensive. It is. Um, it, I feel like the price has changed since uh, <laughs> since the last time I looked at it. It, uh, it starts at. Okay, hold on, everyone, sit down, breathe. One hundred sixteen thousand five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It is a lot of money for a station wagon. Oh God! But and so, since it's a station wagon, it's obviously worth it. It is. It is. It, I feel like it is. It is worth it because you get it as soon as you sit down. And there are uh, there are cars. Again, you sit into you. You sit in and be like, oh, this is very nice. <laughs> this is oh. You sit, I, I sat in the car. This is again. I got that feel. This is very nice. This is exactly what this car needs to be. It's very utilitarian because it's a wagon, but it's also insane. It's like a supercar. And the in a station wagon like got married, and this is their first child. This is their like, <laughs> this is the one that's that's going to you know that's that's got all the AP classes, but also is like the I don't know king of the what, captain of the whatever captain team. Captain of the football would, team. Yeah. Would, would it be fair to say that this is the car that the Cadillac CTSV sport wagon wanted to be? Wow. Yes. Yes. Yes, and I know that's I, I like that wagon. I, but it's, I love it the is, CTSV wagon, but it is it is not oh, that art. The art, I yeah, it's, it's all wheel drive. You know, has the Quattro system. It's it. Hold on, I'm gonna close this door because dog. <laughs> my dog is sound asleep in my arms. He's absolutely passed all day. Out. She's quiet. All right, By here the we end go. Into the podcast, my arm will be completely asleep. <laughs> this. Uh, if if you were looking, if you're somebody who wants something fast, and but you also need utility, you still have kids, you still have to drag stuff around, but you don't want to look like absolutely everyone else on the road, and you have some money, you can get you know a GL whatever, you can get a BMW X whatever, or you can get the RS6 Avant and be the coolest. Mom and or dad at school. True. Because it looks amazing. I had a millennial come up to me and say it looked amazing. I had a boomer come up to me and said it looked amazing. It's crossing it the multi-generational. Did you have a Gen Xer walk up to you and say it was amazing? We, I'm Gen X and Gen X doesn't talk about anything. And we would rather be left We would rather be left we would rather be left alone. Gen X is like, eh, you guys do what you do. Just leave us alone. We got <laughs> we got we got stuff to take care of. Um it looks amazing, but when you're on the freeway, you're driving, you're maybe going a little too fast. Cops are not going to notice that. You know why? Because you're a station wagon. <laughs> you <laughs> no can't possibly knows. be able to end You sort of disappear. Yeah, I, I, I have loved the look of the Audi station wagons, like the, the, mid-size, the upper midsize Audi station wagons from, since, when, I think it was the late 80s, mid to late 80s, when the original 5000 Avant came out. Uh, you know, because it always had that that sloped rear window, you know, so it was, a, it was a wagon, but it still had, you know, when you look at it, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a little little sportier looking than your average wagon. It, it's always had great proportions. And then, you know, up to this one, you know, the RS6, you know, you've got the, the, the wider fenders and everything to go with that. And then, of course, you know, the powertrain. It's that V8, the giant V8, 591 horsepower, 590 pound-feet of torque. Uh, 
zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds in a station wagon. I'm just going to keep saying that. <laughs> um, RS mode, you, you tap RS mode twice, it turns off the traction control, your stability control. Um, it, you, you can get it, you can get it sideways. You can break, you can break the back end. That not that, uh, not that I would do that. No, but no, you could. no responsible Never. auto journalist would ever do that. I, you just, that you've I've, heard, you've heard. I've that's heard. What would happen. He, well, he he read the manual. I read you know, the so manual. It says it says so in the manual. Yeah. RTFM. RTF, it's, it's available with 21 or 22 inch <laughs> wheels. The wheel is just they just take up the entire. Uh, uh, we, uh, wheel well. I, I, there's a 22 on there. It l- it looks fantastic. It's comfortable. It's nice to drive. It has all the regular Audi accoutrements, so it's very luxurious inside. It just, I I I I am. Uh, I feel like I'm gushing over this vehicle. Um, and you and are I feel gushing. Like do you have I a crush on this car? You. I do. If I were rich, and I had lots of money, um. It would be a tough sell, but it would be a tough decision between this and the new sport, uh, Taycan Sport uh, Turismo. Ooh. Well, because I, I love the Taycan. I, yeah, well, you know yeah. what? Let's just go all the way. I am very rich, and I have two wagons. <laughs> there you it. go. That's you refuse it. to make compromises. I refuse I to make compromises. One of each. One of each. Um, the, I'll let the dogs decide which one they want to go in the dog park in. <laughs> so that's that's one car I drove this week. Uh, what, what else did I drive? Well, oh. and and your and your wife could trade up, you know, from the Kona, you know, get rid of the Kona EV, and she could drive the the, the Taycan Sport Turismo to work. Yeah, boom, yeah. done. I think so we solved all of our EV. problems. Still driving an EV. Yeah. Still the, the number one car that's being driven in the house is still an EV. So we're still feeling good about what we're doing. I take the dogs to the dog park in the uh, in the RS6. Everyone's happy. I could go yeah, to course. the Home Depot and pick up mulch. I could, uh, <laughs> if I went to Costco, I could do that. There's only two of us. I don't know. I, I, I thought the, you it, could have a truck to get mulch. You're allowed to get mulch in a wagon. You can get that mulch is the beauty of a anything. Wagon. All the fun of a truck without and, your stuff getting stolen because someone and, just reached in and grabbed it. It would have been perfect <laughs> on Saturday when I had to go to Lowe's to get a supply line for my du- our new dishwasher. Uh, I, it, the, the RS6 would have been the perfect vehicle for that trip. Boom. There perfect. You go. See? Everything about the RS6 is perfect. Everything is perfect. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Everything is per- well, I mean, not everything's perfect. So y'all know what to ours. get Robbie for Christmas now. <laughs> so if you're uh, if you want to buy me a Christmas present, <laughs> and you're not Audi, I don't want a car from from an automaker. Don't give me stuff. Um, yeah, Audi R6. I also drove another car, which was um, not quite as exciting. Uh, I drove the uh, BMW 330e. I'm doing a review for Digital Trends. Uh, for this vehicle, it is the uh, plug-in hybrid uh, three series. They have a they have the the rear-wheel drive version and they have the X-drive all-wheel drive. I had the uh, rear-wheel drive version. Um, I will say it is uh, 90% good. There's a weird there's a there is a weird 10% not so good, and that is when you're in hybrid mode. Sometimes when you take off. It like it just goes, it like kind of jerks forward, and it did that while my wife had turned to talk to me, and it hit her head up against the thing. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. 
Um, it didn't happen a lot. It doesn't happen every time. But every once in a while, the hybrid system's like, all right, EV mode, let's go. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And it's not enough where you like, you jerk forward and then you're just like flying. It's like jerk forward and then you just sort of but groove into the speed. But it is enough that you have to apologize to your wife for snapping her head forward in the seat. Yes, every <laughs> once in a while, it does that. Which I was like, okay, that's weird. But if you put it in EV mode, doesn't do it. You put it in sport mode, doesn't do it. It's in hybrid. At some point, I think we live like the stoplight near our house is on a hill. So maybe that was, I don't know. So, but the, for the most part, though, it's like $1,500 more than the gas-only version, both for the X-Drive and for the rear-wheel drive. And I'm like, well, why would you get the gas version? This is, it's, it's you know, when you get to, when you... When you factor in any sort of incentives, I think it's about a little over 5,000 for federal incentives for this, plus any local and state incentives you might maybe get. Maybe you're just anti-hybrid. Maybe, maybe. But you get 20 miles of range in EV mode, which I got 19.8 in my test, which include me like doing 70 on the freeway and stomping on the gas and like doing real world, like mixed driving. Um, it has, I think it's 5.6, zero to 60. It's both vehicles. It has more power oh. than, the other, than the other vehicle, but it has the, it has the same zero to 60 time. Just I have because, a question. You know, because now that you, brought, that you were saying it gets, what did you say the range was, 20 miles? 20 miles. It gets 20 miles. Yeah. Okay, I saw something come up on Twitter. Now I need to ask both you guys it. He said that, he, that plug-in hybrids should not be allowed to charge at public like charging stations because it should be reserved only for actual EVs. Oh yeah, that was another journalist. I forget who it was. Yeah, I, I remember who it was, but I'm not the, naming it. You know, this was this was something that Yay or nay? Uh, uh, nay. I, I think they should be allowed to charge. Okay. Um, you know, Roberto, this was something yay or nay. that came up 10 years ago when the Volt first came out. Yeah. I it's just I think it's fine because those public chargers aren't especially the free ones like the Blink the or ones even, at the if mall. even if they're one that's not free, even if you're going to an EV go or whatever. Well, if you're whatever. paying, then you're paying. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. the the thing the thing with public, you know, if you're going to plug in, if you're going to plug in a plug-in hybrid at a public charger, um, I think you know there's there's some etiquette that we need to develop around these things. Uh, you know, if if there are two parking spaces where you can access the charger, and uh, you know one is occupied by a plug-in hybrid. And you're driving an EV, and you really, really, really need a charge. I mean, you're you know you're you're empty, and you know you don't have an option to go somewhere else. You know, I think it's okay to unplug the the plug-in hybrid because you know it can it can go. You can unplug it, especially if it's if it look you know if the lights you know you can see from the the charge indicator lights that you know that it's full or you know. I would full. only unplug. I think I could only unplug if it was full. Otherwise, I would feel like. I couldn't do. It. I wouldn't. I would be like, mm, well, he's you know, I mean, it can still operate as a hybrid. You know. Yeah, you know. but I and just don't. Then I feel like it's like, well, I gotta like, I, I don't know. I, if it was full, well, if you I leave might a little tempted. note, you if leave a little note. Full, hey, hey, yeah, so sorry. You know, I, I, I would be to, living in this mall for leaf. six days if you yeah. didn't. <laughs> I needed to charge my my first generation Leaf that only you know gets fifty five miles on a charge now. After or my 10 current years. generation <laughs> Mazda CX. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 630. MX30. Like, yeah. The MX30. 30, sorry. I have an MX30. Um, Please help me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and the other thing is, you know, if you are the driver of a plug-in hybrid, you know, then also be courteous. You know, keep, you know, be be conscious of how long it's going to take to charge your car, and 
you know, don't leave it sitting there on a charger all day long. Yes. You know, like if you're well, if you're charging that. at work, for example, if you've got workplace charging, um, you know, go ahead, you know, go ahead and plug it in. You know, when you get in the morning, you know, if you've got a twenty-five or thirty-mile commute, go ahead and plug it in, and then after a couple of hours, when it's fully charged up, you know, unplug it and move it. And you know, if I think there's most people are pretty good. Like, like I yeah. know my husband's office; they had only I think two charging stations at his office, but they had quite a few. EVs at one point, and I can remember him saying that like his colleagues would be like, "Oh wait, I'll, I'll be right back. I gotta run out. My car is finished charging. I want to unplug in case anybody else. like." They would literally run out, relocate their little vehicles, and let someone else charge it. So I think most people, most people are pretty good about that when they can be. I think the question with this was more like, if you're just just a plug-in hybrid, you should not be taking away the charging station in any circumstances from an actual full EV. If I am driving and I have a PHEV and I go to a, to a mall and it's one of those free chargers and there's like one or two, I'm not going to yeah. charge. That's, that's just no point. Those things aren't very quick. It's sort of whatever. If I go to a place where there's like eight and I have to pay and there's idle fees because everyone you pay has, have an, has an idle fee. So if I just leave my car there, I'm still losing money. I'm, still, I'm paying money to get the, to get the charge, which PHEVs have like a super slow charge rate anyway because they don't need, you know, they don't need 100 or 50 or 25 or even 14 like you know, kilowatts. Yeah, they're, they're usually like six six point six kilowatts. Yeah, so you know, I, it's 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 not a. I think it's as a, just be a good person. I think I think I think I, I just say no, don't don't charge there. Seems just sort of like, Ugh. but at the same time, I'm like just just be a be a. Oh, now uh, the podcast is official. You're making sound effects again, Robbie. <laughs> okay, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. Sorry, I sidetracked us, but that came no. up, and I was like, I'm curious what the guys would do. Yeah, that's it's a it's a legit question. Yeah, and I think it's legit. Know, yeah. As we get more and more plug-in vehicles on the road, it's it's something that we're we're going to have to learn to deal with. You know, and also, you know, even for EV drivers, and I think I've I've talked about this before. You know, there have been times, especially when I've been out in California, when I've had an EV to drive, and I've gone to charging stations. Uh, DC fast charging stations, and I get there, and there, you know, it, it might, you know, it's charging stations, you know, next to a grocery store, and you know, right next to the um, uh, the handicap spots, and I get there, and there are EVs parked in front of the chargers that are not plugged in. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's you know, see, that's that's a you know, just because you drive an EV that's does a not jerk move. does not entitle you to park in front of a charger unless you are agree. actually using that charger. That's like the equivalent of parking sideways across two spots so no one parks like too close to your car. Yeah, you mean so like that Tesla Model S I saw yesterday? Like exactly. that Tesla Model S, apparently you yeah. saw yesterday. <laughs> Tesla Model. When you weren't busy installing a new dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I. Uh, Anything else on the uh, the 330e, Robbie? Uh, uh, nah. Okay. <laughs> I kind of forgot. Did you, did I kind of forgot all was? about it. Oh yeah, hold on. Let me get the price. Hold on. I have it written down. I'm still. I'm writing the review right now. I'm sure it's in here. Do, 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 do. I'm sure I had it pulled up at some point. Uh, okay, rear wheel drive is forty two thousand nine hundred fifty. Uh, X drive is forty four nine fifty. And again, those are only fifteen hundred dollars more than the gas equivalent and the tax credit. Oh, the tax credit is up to $5,836. That's 
that's just federal. So if you have a state, California state, if you live in like San Joaquin Valley, I think there's there's another, you know, uh, different regions in addition to state have have tax have credits or incentives. So it's actually cheaper than the regular 330i, and you get uh, you get to plug it in at night, or plug it in and make somebody on the internet really angry. One or the other. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. <laughs> All right. I, I also had a plug-in hybrid uh, for a couple of days. I had the uh, new Lincoln Corsair Grand Touring uh, last week, just before the, the holiday. Um, and Lincoln, this is a technically a first drive program. Lincoln's not doing a, a full media drive for this. They're just doing two-day loans to get people familiarized with it, and then uh, they'll put them in the regular press fleet after that. Um, so the, the Corsair Grand Touring was initially announced two years ago at the 2019 LA Auto Show, the last time we had an LA show. Uh, and this is the, the plug-in hybrid version of the Corsair. And like its uh, sibling, the Ford Escape plug-in hybrid, uh, it went through some delays. It was supposed to come out in mid-2020. Um, didn't, ar- didn't arrive until a few weeks ago. Uh, and they, they had some issues with the, the European version of the Escape, which is called the Kuga, uh, last year with some battery fires while it was charging. And it, you know, it was caused by a defect, a manufacturing defect that they had with, with the battery cells that was causing a short circuit. And so when you plugged it into charge, sometimes occasionally it would catch fire. Uh, which is not not a good plan, um, and so they they delayed it while they sorted that out, uh, and they they launched the Escape here a couple of months ago, and we talked about that, uh, and now they've launched the um, the Corsair, uh, and you know we the Corsair you know, like uh, other current generation Lincolns you know shares a basic platform with Ford vehicles, but it looks completely different. It's totally different sheet metal. Everything in the interior is different. You you get into one of these, you get into a Corsair, and you look around. You would never guess that this is you know uh, sharing a platform with the Escape, and the Bronco Sport, and the Maverick, uh, you know because there there's nothing that you look, touch or feel or look at that looks like it came out of a Ford vehicle. Every all the parts in, in the interior are unique, um, and it's it's. You know, pretty stylish looking vehicle. I, I like it. it. You know, it's got a nice sculpted body side to it, and you know, similar profile to the Aviator, but obviously smaller. So when you look at it in profile, the roof roof line kind of drops off a little bit towards the rear, give it a little bit of a teardrop shape. Um, under the hood, the uh, the the front half of the powertrain is basically the same as what you get in the Escape Hybrid or the Escape Plug-in Hybrid or the the Maverick Hybrid. So you get a 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine with Ford's hybrid drive unit in there. Um, and together, that the, the electric motor and the, the engine give you about 200 horsepower to work with. Uh, and then for the plug-in hybrid, uh, like in the in Escape plug-in hybrid, there's a 14.4-kilowatt-hour battery pack that sits underneath the, the second-row seat. Uh, so it doesn't intrude on the cargo space at all like it did in the old uh, C-Max plug-in hybrids or in the Fusion plug-in hybrid. Uh, it's a nice compact battery pack. Um, and then 
The big difference between the Corsair and the Escape plug-in hybrid is the Corsair adds another uh, electric motor to the rear axle. So the Escape plug-in hybrid is only available in front-wheel drive right now. You can't get an all-wheel drive Escape plug-in hybrid. For the uh, for the Corsair, it comes, it comes only, only with all-wheel all drive, drive with an electric, electric drive, drive motor, motor rear axle, 50 kilowatt motor. motor. So you, so have, you a have a total of about uh, 266 horsepower, horsepower altogether, altogether versus, versus 200, 200 in the Escape. So, so it definitely, definitely feels uh, a little more uh, aggressive off, off the line, line than, than the Escape, Escape does. does. Um, yeah, it, 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 all, it is also heavier, so it's not. It doesn't feel substantially more powerful, but it's a little more powerful, and. Uh, you know, the one I had was pretty much loaded with all the goodies. It had like 23 or 24-way power adjustable seats with split thigh bolsters and massaging and all that <laughs> kind of stuff in it. Um, the, when it arrived, uh, you know, beginning of last week, uh, we were starting to get into a bit of a cold snap here in Michigan. Uh, and I took it out twice to do um, mileage runs with a with a full charge to see how much uh, electric driving I could do on a full charge. When I had the Escape uh, plug-in, uh, it was quite a bit warmer. It was in the 60s, I think, when I had it, 60s or 70s. Um, and I got 41 miles with that one. And then when I had the Audi uh, Q5 plug-in hybrid uh, back in mid-October, uh, with that one, I got 21 miles on that one. But that one is quite a bit more powerful than the Corsair. You know, similar size to the Corsair, but quite a bit more powerful because it's got a turbo four-cylinder engine, whereas this one's normally aspirated. Um, and the Corsair got 28 miles. Uh, got 27 miles on one run, 28 miles on the other one. So pretty reasonable. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's not great. It's better than, you know, the, the Audi, better than the um, than the uh, BMW that you just had, Robbie. Um, the other chief competitor to this vehicle that is coming out uh, soon is the new Lexus NX450H Plus, uh, which is also going to be a plug-in hybrid. Uh, similar configuration to this with a 2.5-liter engine and the hybrid and uh, re electric rear motor, <clears throat> but it'll be a little more powerful because it's the Lexus, the Lexus NX is going to have the same powertrain that's in the, uh, the RAV4 uh, hybrid, plug-in RAV4 Prime. Uh, so it's going to be about 306 horsepower. So it's uh, definitely a little, little quicker than the Corsair. Um, and it's also got a bigger battery than the Corsair. It's got, an, I think, an 18-kilowatt-hour battery pack. So Lexus hasn't got official numbers on that one yet, but they're projecting it's going to get about 36 miles of range, which sounds mm. about right. Um, so, you know, this one's not bad. Uh, you know, the Corsair, if you're looking for, you know, uh, a premium compact crossover you know, that looks and feels really nice, you know, really nice materials, nice real wood trim, real leather, comfortable seats. Um, you know, it, this has got all that stuff in it. Um, <clears throat> the the touchscreen, the center touchscreen, uh, because it's still, you know, on the Escape uh, Bronco Sport platform, this hasn't been upgraded to Sync 4 yet, so it's still on uh, the older Sync 3 system, which is fine. You know, it's a, it's it's still a decent system. It's only a 10-inch screen, uh, a 10-inch, or sorry, uh, not even a 10-inch. I think it's actually an 8-inch uh, oh, display. Wow. 
Yeah, so it's a sm it's a considerably smaller display. Yeah, it's an it's an eight inch uh, center touchscreen. Which the, isn't it funny when you think about an eight inch touchscreen not that long ago? Was I know that was a good size touchscreen. Like yeah, it was like a five inch screen was tiny. Now yeah. an eight inch screen is tiny. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. funny because eight inch anything bigger than like seven eight inches you're just like all right well whatever yeah <laughs> i mean it's nice having all this real estate to see all the things but the reality is like well can i see the map all yeah. right cool that's cool yeah. all right can i read the streets <laughs> okay i can, can see I, where i turn i'm good yeah <laughs> see where i'm going all right and the, fine. you know the corsair i had was equipped with the optional heads-up display and so if you're using uh navigation you know, if you're using either the built-in nav or apple carplay or android auto uh it it shows you the the navigation prompts in the heads up display, so it'll tell you where to turn. Uh, so that's you know that's good. The Audi has a 10 inch display, and the the NX is a 14 inch screen. So you know, it kind of puts this one a little to shame. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's like, ooh, look how big the the icons are in, in CarPlay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so you know, it's got really nice ride quality. You know, it's it lives up to for the most part, it lives up to um, Lincoln's theme of quiet flight um you know especially when it's running in electric mode it's very quiet um when it when the engine comes on most in most normal driving it's fairly quiet but when you get on the accelerator you know to accelerate hard with the engine on it's less refined than what you'll get in certainly in the in the audi you get um, a scooch of turbulence in your quiet flight yeah, a little, little, little bit of turbulence, you know, little, or a little, little bit of that roar you get, you know, when you're taking off in a jet plane. When the jet engines are at full throttle, you know, you get that roar coming from under yeah. the wings. That's, that's kind of what you get. You know, once you okay. get up to cruising speed, you know, then they, you're the pilots good. throttle back, you know, then it gets nice and quiet again. So, right. um, yeah. The uh, Corsair, uh, the 22 model year Corsair, the one I had was actually a 21 model, but the only thing that's changing for 22 uh, is um, they've got a couple of color options uh, and they've rearranged some of the option packages. Um, so the 22 starts at $51,425, including delivery, uh, which is not inexpensive, uh, mm -hmm. but you know it's also not out of line with, with the Audi and the Lexus or at least where we expect the Lexus to be. Um, as equipped, the way I drove it uh, was $62,300, including the 20-inch wheels and the luxury package. Um, and But it does come with, um, uh, you do get a $6,843 federal tax credit available for this one. Uh, so, you know, that's now you're down back into the mid-50s, uh, which is, you know, again, not... Not crazy expensive, not cheap, but not crazy expensive. Um, so, you know, if you want something, you know, in a, a premium compact crossover that, you know, looks nice, uh, drives really nice, and, um, you know, it get, you know, can go about, you know, 25, 28, you know, you can probably, in warmer weather, you could probably get, easily get over 30 miles of, of electric range. Uh, you know, that, you know, that'll suit most, most of, daily driving that most people do mm -hmm. um you know just plug it in at night and unplug it in the morning and you're good to go um you know it's not not a bad deal 
it has that bonkers uh, dash cluster that all the Lincolns have, yeah. where it's like very minimalistic, and then you change the mode, and it's just like, yeah. it's like an explosion <laughs> of sight and sound and color. Like, what is that? The Earth? Like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, when you switch Every- modes, it goes through all kinds of cool graphics. So I also had uh, another vehicle uh, which came uh, when the Lincoln went away, which is the uh, 22 Chevy Tahoe Premier. Uh, And like last week when um, I had a vehicle that was scheduled, canceled, because in this case the Nissan Pathfinder had to go to the shop, um, the fleet guy called me up and said, hey, uh, the can't get can't send you the Pathfinder tomorrow. Um, Do you want BMW X4M competition or 22 Chevy Tahoe? And I asked him if the X4M competition had winter tires on it yet. He said, nope. And I looked at the weather forecast, and I saw that we were expected to get several inches of snow this weekend, which we did get. Uh, and I said, I'll take the Tahoe. Thank you Tahoe, very much. Tahoe, please. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the, the Tahoe, you know, pretty straightforward, big, full-size American SUV. You know, it's been, you know, top seller in its class for a million years. Um, you know, the, the Premier's got the 6.2-liter V8, so it's got lots and lots and lots of power um, and has a, a healthy thirst for petroleum products. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the main thing that has changed for the 22 model year is uh, that they updated the infotainment system. Uh, and, you know, the, the Tahoe, the new Tahoe just, you know, just launched a year ago, and they've already upgraded the infotainment for 22. It's GM's new Android Automotive-based infotainment. Um, so they've replaced the, the old system that they had, uh, and uh, it's uh, it's quite good. I like I like it a lot. So you know this is running Android inside. It's got Google Assistant. It's got um, Google Maps, and um, you can download Android apps from the Google Play Store right in the the infotainment system. So you know if you want to listen to podcasts, you can it you can get Google Podcasts or Pocket Casts or uh, you know, whatever, or, you know, you can also get stuff like uh, Hoopla or Libby to download content from your local public library, uh, you know, all kinds of cool stuff right in there. You can just log in with your Google account right in the vehicle uh, and then start downloading apps in there. So you don't even have to hook up your phone to it. It just does it directly through the, the cellular connection that's built into the vehicle. Um, you know, the, um, <clears throat> the new Tahoe uh, this is the, the first time I've actually driven the Tahoe. I've had the Sierra before, or the, not the Sierra, the Yukon before and the, and the Escalade. Uh, you know, the, the new generation Tahoe, they finally switched the rear axle from uh, a live axle to an independent rear suspension. Much better ride quality. This one had the optional air springs. Um, it's also got uh, a, a, a two-speed transfer case, so if you want to go off-roading in this thing, you've got a four-wheel drive low range uh, for some rock crawling, uh, and you know it's it's really nice. It it's a much improved interior over previous generation Tahoes. Um, really feels much more in line with the price point, <laughs> which is not inexpensive. Um, <laughs> the uh, the 22 Tahoe starts at forty-nine thousand seven hundred dollars, so fifty grand. Uh, the one I drove. Um, was a four-wheel drive Premier, uh, which came to a bottom-line price of $76,670, wow. including the $1,695 delivery charge, um, eight, eight, $8,900 in options on top of the, the Premier trim package. Um, so it's uh, I, one thing I will say for, for certain 
if you are considering buying a big truck or a big SUV like this, if they offer an option for the digital camera mirror, the interior camera mirror, absolutely get that. If it's not standard equipment, take whatever option package you have to to get that because it is so much better actually being able to see what's right behind you because, you know, these things sit up pretty high and, mm -hmm. you know, with three rows of seats and headrests and heavily tinted windows, it's really hard to see anything behind you or, you know, off to the sides in this thing. Uh, so the, the digital camera mirror it just is, makes it so much easier to maneuver around because you can actually see what's behind you uh, with this thing. Um, and that's, that's definitely a very worthwhile option. I, I'm I'm curious with the camera mirrors, because when I look through a mirror, I'm I'm looking. You know, my eyesight has gotten messed up in the last few years. My 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 close up eyesight. I took some medication, messed me up. So anyway, so things that are close to me, it's it's difficult for me to see. And I realize with those types of uh, rear view cameras, which I love. I actually I, I loved it on the Bolt. I loved it on the Cadillac. Um, now I'm looking and they're a little bit fuzzy. They should make us. Can you? They should make so you can adjust uh, the Ooh. focus, like you do with your camera. Like you know, you look yeah. through it. Like they should make it a little, so a I don't diopter know. Diopter adjustment. Yeah, like a little diopter yeah. adjustment, and have it set for like certain profiles. Like my wife can see fine. She just yeah. yeah. And so yeah. Anyway, That's, so if you're someone from GM or who else does this? I don't know. Other people. Uh, uh, Stellantis has it now on. A oh bunch yeah, of Stellantis. Vehicles. The, yeah, the Wagoneer and the Grand Cherokee have it. Yeah, uh, I think Ford's starting that. to put on some vehicles. Mm -hmm. Fix that. Okay. Yeah. Good suggestion. <laughs> Fix that. Take and I, care of that for Robbie. Would and you? I, I'm supposed to get the Pathfinder tomorrow, so I'm wondering what they'll bring me instead. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get the Surprise. X4 in competition. <laughs> yep. There we go. That's fine here. That's the little, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the summer tires uh, on, the X, on a 500 horsepower X4M uh, and with three inches of snow would just not have been a good idea. Not a good combination at no. all. No, not at all. Nobody wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, this thing, as I said, uh, has a fairly hefty uh, thirst for fuel. Um, it's, uh, it's the 6.2 is rated at a combined 16 miles per gallon. Uh, yes. I think I've been getting closer to about 14 um, thanks to the, the cold weather and everything. So, and gas is super cheap right now. So, whatevs. Yeah, yeah it's totally fine. Exactly. Yeah. Um, at least I don't live in California. <laughs> I think it went down like a nickel. <laughs> oh really? That's so a, only I don't so slightly less outrageous than it was. It's 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 still you know it's still a lot. Which every time every time I have to go get gas, I'm like, man, I wish I could drive the EV right now. My wife's like, <laughs> I need it for work. And I'm like, ah, damn it. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, last night, as we record this, uh, Nissan had a little online event from Japan. Uh, it was Monday morning in Japan when they when they did this. Uh, they announced their Ambition 2030. Uh, so basically, they were they were laying out uh, some of their EV plans for the next nine years, um, which includes uh, spending um, two trillion yen on EV on electrification uh, over the next five years. Uh, so between now and 2026, uh, so that that works out to about 17 and a half billion dollars. Which is Oof. surprising. It's it's quite a bit lower than what a lot of other automakers are, have committed to. Yeah, I think GM's at thirty five billion, Ford's at thirty billion, Volkswagen's at thirty some billion dollars. All um, the billions. All the all the many many billions. Um, and you know, it, I think it's it's interesting. You know, Nissan 
was the first manufacturer to launch a relatively affordable modern EV uh, 10 years ago, or 11 years ago now, with the, uh, with the original Leaf. Um, and at the time, you know, I remember being at the, the Tokyo Motor Show in 2009, and uh, Carlos Ghosn uh, standing on stage, you know, talking about you know, that they were going to launch uh, four EVs in the next three years. Um, I think one of those, in addition to the Leaf, one other one made it to the market in some places, which was the, the electric version of the NV200 van. Uh, it was never sold in North America. Uh, you know, and they've, after being you know a, an early leader in the EV space, you know, these the number one selling behind. EV in the world was the Leaf. Yeah, they had the number one spot. Was it really number? Yes, wow. the number one selling EV in the world was the Nissan but, Leaf until the Model Three came out. It until was the, the Model the Three top seller. Yeah. Wow. And they just sort of like squandered it. Yeah. Yeah, Nissan kind of lost its way with with EVs. Um, you know, they're finally kind of getting back into it now with the Aria. But even that, uh, you know, has been delayed. That's not launching in Japan until middle of next year, and then it'll be here in the U.S. I think in October of next year. Uh, you know, and with a starting price at forty seven thousand uh, dollars for the initial versions they're going to sell. Um, but they're they're promising 15 new EVs between now and 2030. Um, they expect 50% electrification, um, including EVs and their e-power system, which is a series hybrid system that you don't actually have to plug in. Um, and at, at the end of the show here, I have actually got an interview I did in LA with Aditya Jayraj, who's Nissan's director of EV marketing and strategy. And he talks more about this, but what what do you think about you know what what Nissan's doing? Well, I mean, I think it makes sense. Everybody's pushing to EVs. I feel like them pushing is not the exception; it's sort of the rule. Um, the dollar amount, like you said, does not sound as heavy as you might expect. It's it's an impressive number, but still not a mind blowing number. Twenty three new models with fifteen new EVs by. 2030 15 new evs i feel like they could do that yeah i mean i could probably do that i could do that yeah rob you could do that by next week i'm sure i could totally do that hold on i mean it seems like achievable whether or not it all depends like how well that you know if they what you don't know is how much they've already done in the background you know we know what they're saying they're going to do how how prepped are they i feel like to have this gigantic you know event where they're saying all this their ambition 2030 they must feel pretty confident otherwise it's going to look pretty silly it's not like this is just a rogue announcement you know it was sort of like a oh event, rogue right you know sorry, oh, bump. Uh, so sorry. I, think, I apologize yeah. everyone oh, that's okay you know we'll let it go uh so I, I don't know i think i think the chances of them doing it are good and i think i mean it absolutely makes sense everyone's pushing towards evs and electrification why wouldn't they yeah i think you know nissan's rebuilding that you know they've been putting out everything with you know they've been redoing everything they've been updating everything it's a, it's a it's a it's a company that's trying to restart and regain what it was um and i think part of that is the ev and i, I think I've, I've said this again it's not a sprint to evs um you can be a little late you can't be a lot late but you can be a little late and still be okay um 
it's, you know, right now EVs, I mean, Tesla is still essentially the Kleenex of EVs. When people think EVs, they think Tesla, no matter how much GM says they're, you know, with their one car that's out. Um, but, uh, which they're not even building right now. Yes, they can't. Which they can't build because because LG kind of screwed them over with batteries. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I think where it, it's, it's considering where Nissan was a few years ago, this is actually this is really good news for them. Um, right. You know, it's less money, but they're also a smaller automaker. They're not Volkswagen's huge. You know, Ford is huge. GM is huge. Yeah, you know, those those automakers they they have a lot of brands underneath them. But Nissan has that and 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 Lexus, and so they're like, eh, you know, we're, we don't have to be ginormous. And you know, it's I, I, if they're you know, as long as they're making actual headway, because a lot of it feels like right now we're seeing, you know, last few years everyone's been like, we're we're going to have 50 EVs, 70 EVs, 17 EVs, we're going to 60 billion dollars, blah 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 in EVs, but it's a lot of press releases. And yeah, there's more EVs on the road, but there's not as many as there should be. Meanwhile, Hyundai's over there in the corner, just like pumping out EVs every 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like every time I see something Hyundai's doing, they're like, oh yeah, here's another EV we made. You want that? Cool, take it. <laughs> um, well, as, as part of this event uh, last night, they also um, revealed several new EV concepts, um, which have, have either the two of you had a chance to look at these yet? I have not seen the concepts. I can glance. Are there, they there's, on there? There's a, there's a link. Uh, if you go to uh, the, the U.S. press release about halfway down, just above the, the subhead, increasing accessibility, there's a link to uh, the Nissan Global site there, um, and you can see the concepts. Um, and uh, Surf out. Yeah. So they've got uh, a compact crossover that uh, looks kind of like the Aria called the Chill Out. Uh, a, a pickup truck called the Surf Out, uh, a, you know, a hatchback, I guess, you know, that is kind of reminiscent of the Cube called the Hangout. The hatch- oh, Hangout. And, uh, the, uh, uh, and a convertible called the Max Out. Get out. They have all this stuff. Wow. They have all this stuff, and most well, of it have, is just renders. But they have all this rendering. They got a. Yeah. They got. They, they got a new. Uh, they got a new GPU. You know, it's hard to get GPUs right now. So yeah. they got a new GPU. They're ready to rock and roll as long as they don't have to actually build a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could do this on one GPU. You know, so you know they, they can't. <laughs> they can't build them yet, but they can. They can render them. I okay. So I really like the surf out because it reminds me. Sort of like spiritually at, from the Nissan Gobi. Remember the Gobi from like the late 80s, early 90s? Oh, yeah. It was just really ridiculous, and I really wanted one. I mean, I remember me and my friend were just like, this thing is insane. And another friend was like, dude, that's never going to happen. What is wrong with you? Why do you think that's going to happen? I'm like, I'm saving up my money. I'm going to get this. It's gonna- I'm buying this. <laughs> I'm buying the Nissan Gobi. <laughs> yeah, the, Go- the Gobi was a concept from uh, ni- – it was at the, the 1990 uh, Detroit Auto Show. Uh, it was sort of a funky-looking um, pickup truck concept. Uh, definitely, uh, it didn't have a lot of emojis. No, no emojis. It was just weird-looking. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, well, so this is before emojis were a thing. Yeah. So, and we got the surf out, yeah. which is I, anything that has anything to do with, with surfing. I'm always a fan of. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you had something close to the surf out, if we can get another small truck on the market that also happens to be an EV. I think Nissan will, you know. I like the hang. 
hangout. I think the hangout looks very much like a starship, like like a um, an away team pod for the Enterprise. Kind of like the hangout. <laughs> like you don't wear a red shirt if you're in it because you know you're not coming back. Right, because <laughs> then you will die. Right, and if you notice in the picture, people are wearing. Oh, there's a girl wearing a red and white striped uh, shirt. She's gonna be eaten by a bear. Oh yeah, bears got that. Sorry, kid. girl. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Definitely kid. A bear. Oh yeah, that kid's that that kid's yeah, bear fodder. Goner. Completely goner. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the hangout is pretty cool. I, I like that one. I like the hangout. Hang I like out. how that one looks. I like that they're all kind of small. They're not like yeah. ginormous. But of course, people there really want. Isn't anything big? Like if you want to, they are actually all very small. If you want a big vehicle, well, you got the Tahoe that Sam was just. Yeah. In. Yeah. Hella, hella big yeah. Tahoe. The hella yeah, well, big I mean, Tahoe. You know, the, G- GMC has started to build, you know, production Hummers now in Detroit. So, you know, those will be getting to, uh, to customers go. by the end of the by the end of December. Um, so, you know, we, they've got that end of the market covered, and you know, someday Tesla might even build a Cybertruck, build a second Cybertruck. Uh, you know, so you know, somebody needs to cover the smaller end of the market. So, I, I think it's good. All solid state batteries by twenty twenty eight. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm saying, I'm actually saying good luck because if you can do that, that's, yeah. that's great. It's, it's, I think we, we, we get really excited about solid state. It's, it's the, you know, it's the magic bullet. It's, but oh, well, there's, it, there's it takes a, lot a long of, time. There's a lot of interesting developments going on in the battery space, which we'll talk about another time. But um, there's some, some companies doing some cool stuff that I think has, there's some things that have a lot of potential to really drive down the cost of batteries and improve the uh, the performance and the energy density. Oh and yeah, that'll that'll really help to make make these things more mainstream. Lithium ion is going to be a while f- around for a while, and it's just going to get better yeah. and cheaper. So it's yeah, it's, it's just you know different variations. There's a lot of different flavors of lithium ion. Mm, flavors like a Baskin Robbins of cars. Yeah, you exactly. guys are talking batteries, and I'm looking at the back of this Nissan Surfout that has the little emojis and stuff. Somebody's going to hack that and be able to make it so you can flip off the guy who just like is tailgating you, or like that is just so ripe to have obscene things on the back of that little emoji screen on the tailgate. I mean, that's half the point. You, you say you you say that as if that might be a bad thing. I no, I'm just saying. I'm like, how, what do you give it? Five minutes after the first one leaves the dealership, someone's going to be like, and I'm yeah, flipping off lucky. the guy behind me. Well, it, yeah. you know, the, the other thing that's kind of neat about the the surf out is at the front. Um, you know, it's it reminds me kind of the of the uh, the canoe vehicle. Oh yes. yeah, because you got that glass front in there, agree. so you can look straight through under the dash. You know, out out the front of the truck. That's pretty dope. Yeah. You need more. It says hi and a little hang loose thing, and it's going to be f you in a middle finger. That's really going to be on the back of that. <laughs> if we can't get the buggy, the 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 Volkswagen. Oh, buggy. the ID bu- uh, the buggy. ID, yeah. yeah, I forget what. And I loved. I drove that thing and and at a Pebble Beach one year, and I absolutely loved it. Even though I was only allowed to go like thirty eight kilometers an hour, which is like twenty miles an hour, and it uh, since we can't get that. Nissan should bring us the surf. Come on, just give us something. Come on, yeah. people, give us something fun. Give us the surf out. Give it to us. Give it to us. All right. Uh, next up, um, Genesis has shown off uh, exterior images of the new G90, um, and we don't know much about this one yet. Uh, presumably coming out sometime next year. Um, but uh, one thing that I did note. It, is that uh, compared to the current generation G90, 
the grill actually seems to be a little bit smaller. I was I was looking at pictures of this next to the the current G90 earlier, and the it's not a lot smaller. It's still a big grill, but it has shrunk vertically a little bit. It's still about the, looks like it's about the same width. Did the grill bother you on the old one, Sam? Yes. <laughs> there's too much. There's too much grill out there today. Too much grill in the world. And yes. Hyundai heard you. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? With the Genesis, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna bring it down a little. We're gonna take it down a notch. <laughs> Good. <laughs> a couple more notches. Good. Maybe we'll be getting to the right, uh, right proportions. The right proportions. I like yeah. how it looks. I think it looks good. It does. Look, yeah. it, it looks very. It looks it's like a, a very important person would be driving. <laughs> no, it looks like a very important person will be riding in the back seat yeah. of this thing. But I'm bumped. There like you go. Like, That's like his henchmen would pull up, and then they're like, "You get out." Yeah. Well, I mean, you can get the executive seating option in the G90. They've had it, you know, like since the original yeah. before it was Genesis. What, what was Oh, the Equus, the Hyundai Equus. Equus. That was cool. Um, you know, they 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 had that executive seating option where you could recline. So on the on the uh, passenger side, if you weren't behind the driver, you could recline the seat. You had a footrest that came up as kind of like a, a business class seat on on, a, on the plane. Man, yeah. Look at those like subtle. I mean, it's not really. I guess not that subtle, but the the. Uh, the shoulder line on the front tire is just sort of like, yeah. Well, it's kind of. It's a, it, it, it says in the dope. in the text that it's a clamshell hood, so that line Ooh. above the lights and the side oh, lights. Oh, is the hood? Is that, where the hood opens? Yeah, so it's all one piece above that. Oh, yeah. I'm, Ooh, I'm going. I'm going full screen on the pictures now. Hold on. I know. I just I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, wait, I need. We're, to we're all going it. full screen. Like I must see this better. No, it looks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, someone someone fancy is getting driven around in this thing. Yeah. It's definitely fancy. This is going to be in season four of, uh, of uh, Succession. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think it looks good, but I really yeah. like the Genesis brand, so I'm not surprised that I yeah. like this one. I've been very happy with what they've done so far. I, I agree. All right. Anything else on the G90 before we move on? No, it looks good. Keep right. up the good work, Genesis. <laughs> All right. Um, next up, um, there's been some reports over the last week and a half or so about Ford and GM um, getting more involved in the chip design process. Uh, you know, trying to move past this uh, this current chip shortage. Uh, you know, one one report um, was about GM. They did, GM didn't have. Uh, didn't put out any press release, but Mark Royce was talking at an, at an investor conference um, about this, and they're working with a number of chip vendors. And basically, from from looking at what Royce said, um, what they're doing is they're moving their electronic architecture on their vehicles more towards a more centralized compute architecture. So, you know, today. You know, a lot of high-end vehicles have well over 100 individual computers or electronic wow. control units in the car. Um, and starting to consolidate that down, you know, following the trend that, that Tesla started. Uh, you know, they, did, they were the first to do this. And other manufacturers are moving in this direction now. So you've got fewer computers, more powerful chips in there. And so GM's working with a bunch of different chip vendors uh, like NXP and Renaissance and uh, Qualcomm. Uh, in fact, next year, uh, GM is going to be launching some stuff, uh, some new models with uh, Qualcomm-powered uh, driver assist systems in there. They're using their their new Snapdragon Ride um, 
compute platform. Um, and Ford is uh, partnering with Global Foundries, which is um, they're, they're a chip fab. They don't design chips so much as manufacture the chips. Uh, they were they used to be part of AMD. They got spun off from AMD, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. Um, and they're also working with them. And I think one of the, the interesting things, you know, just like in, in mobile uh, devices and, and even in computers now, you know, everything's moving towards ARM-based uh, chips, you know, lower power, more powerful chips, lo- lower power consumption, but more capable chips. And they're, these things are designed uh, as uh, you, know, so you can do sort of a la carte design. You don't have to design a complete chip. You can pick and choose different pieces so you can have graphics processors from, from one company and ARM cores and uh, neural engines to do AI processing. And you can mix and match these and, and have somebody build it for you to your own specifications. I think that's what Ford's doing with Global Foundries. What do you, uh, you guys have any thoughts on this? I, you, if you, what happens is if you rely too heavily on what other people are making, now we end up in the situation where we're kind of in now. I mean, you still, we still need more foundries, regardless of how, where the, you know, these, even though they want to make more chips and they want to be more uh, part of how the chips are made, et cetera, um, we, still, we still need more foundries and, um, to, to actually build these chips. But consolidating you know, the hundreds of chips and the hundreds of, of different uh, SOCs or microcomputers or whatever, or silicon you know, portions that are in a car and sort of bringing them all together um, that's, I mean, that's a, that's going to help with the foundry issue. It's going to help, uh, with greater control over what's going on in the vehicle. I mean, it's at it all, at the end of the day, it all makes sense. You know, Tesla's doing it. Lucid's doing it. Um, oh, somebody else, the traditional automaker's doing it. I talked to them about it. And for the life of me, I can't remember who it was. Uh, maybe Volvo? Volvo's doing it. They're, Volvo, there we year, go. The, the XC90 replacement is going to be using a, Two central computers powered by NVIDIA Orin chips, which are really powerful chips. Yeah. So you know, sort of consolidating. It, it, you know, it's 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 instead of having you know, if it, it, it's almost like if you had a bunch of stoves in your house, and now you just have the one stove that you need with the four burners and the thing, as opposed to fifteen <laughs> tiny little stoves all around. Hot well, plates, hot plates, hot plates, hot all plates all over the house. <laughs> like one hot plate's boiling water, the other one's like cooking a turkey for some reason. You're like, yeah, let's just consolidate all this into like a well, nice. And it seems like it's something, too, you know, that maybe that because of what happened with COVID and because of how things rolled out over the last, what, like 18 to 24 months, this is something that probably had to happen at some point anyway. It just COVID sort of uh, accelerated the, oh, dear God, we need to do this. We need to do it now. You know, maybe it would have taken an extra five years. Instead, they're all doing it this year. But it seems like something that naturally would have had to happen um, as they realized that the inefficiencies of what they were doing in the first place, like, okay, let's. Let's get rid of all the hot plates and just buy an oven. I, you feel yeah. like that that had to happen at some point. It just might be happening a little bit more quickly and aggressively than it otherwise would have. And it's sort of smart to start doing it and start working on it now because they're all working on new architecture for their EVs and yeah. their plug-in hybrids. And you know, if you're building a new architecture, you might as well actually build a new architecture with you know from the top down mm-hmm. or bottom up. I don't know. Yeah, it's just make it better. <laughs> buy one nice stove and one nice oven. <laughs> One nice stove yes. that does it all. And that's what we did, and it's working out great for us. Yeah. So. <laughs> See? Yeah, yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, my stove sometimes might get the right temperature. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why we replaced our old one. You never knew what kind of temperature it was going to be at. You know, getting those burners lit. It's a pain in the neck. All right. Um, speaking of chips, um, let's let's go into uh, – we've got a couple of listener questions. And uh, let's tackle the first one from, uh, from AJ or Gupta AJ at, on uh, Twitter. Um, and he asks, uh, place your bets. The chip shortage will end in three months, six months, or 12 months from now. 18 months to two years. Foundries are hard to build. Yeah. It's, it's, it, 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 one of them got destroyed. Uh, uh, everything now has a chip in it. It's going to be a while. It, I'm going at least 12 months, and I'm leaning towards your 18. Because, like you said, it's, it's, it's something that is not easily correctable in five minutes. It takes some yeah. time to correct the problem. Stove yeah. manufacturing is tough. <laughs> yeah. It's, Stoves it, are a challenge. It ta- you know, uh, it takes three to four years to build a new chip foundry, and you know it's it's a very expensive process. I think Samsung just announced they're building a new one in uh, in Texas. Um, they just announced that last week, and <clears throat> they're spending seventeen billion dollars on one wow. foundry or um, one Nissan EV. Uh, yeah. EV. <laughs> 15, that's enough for to build 15 different Nissan EVs. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that's for, that's for one chip plant. Um, and Intel, you know, earlier this year talked about building several new foundries in the U.S. and also in Europe. And they're spending, I think, a total of somewhere around $100 billion on new chip foundries. So, yeah, it's an expensive process. That said... You know, I, I talk to a lot of these chip companies on a fairly regular basis, and most of them are right now, they're projecting, you know, by the second half of next year, things should stabilize. So, you know, about a year from now, they, they think we should be in pretty good shape. But, but then we'll a new see. a new PlayStation will come out and it'll all go to hell. Yeah. Hell in a handbasket. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Forget it. Shortage is back. All right. Uh, the other question we had um, relates back to what we were talking about earlier with leather. This is from Andrew Pappas. And uh, after listening to our previous episode, uh, Andrew wrote back and said, uh, he's not the, the Andrew Pappas that I know that lives in my neighborhood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, uh, and uh, he, uh, he, I guess he was listening to uh, This Week in Tech yesterday, which I was on with, uh, with Leo Laporte and, uh, and Doc Rock and uh, Padre SJ. Uh, we uh, got into a, a, a tangent about rich Corinthian leather, or Ooh. rich Corinthian leather, as uh, Ricardo Montalban would say. I, I, I can't <laughs> roll my R's like that. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe you can, Robbie. Um, Corinthian anyway, leather. Of course uh, he can. In, in reference to the rich Corinthian leather spoke of on another podcast, who makes the best real, fake, and bang-for-the-buck leather? So best real leather, best fake leather, and best bang for the buck leather. Like which automaker? Yeah. Like who has the – Best real. Best I don't know, that real. Napa. And, you know, whenever they throw that Napa, N-A-P-P-A, not the region of Northern California leather in there, that's always really nice. I think uh, – what was yeah. it? What had a nice – what had some nice leather in it that I was, I've been driving? Mercedes. I feel Mercedes, like Mercedes yeah. does a really nice leather interior. Yeah, Mercedes, Rolls. You know, everything it has that's, to be leather because and leather interior is great, but when you have a little bit of Alcantara, a little bit of suede action here and there. To give you a little uh, bit of extra grip. 
Like the little extra grip with a little suede. I like the it's I, a both. I hate like Alcatraz. pure leather is cool, nap bar otherwise, but you want a little bit of suede stuff, like a suede steering wheel. No. That's cool. I hate the You don't suede. like the suede? I, hate, I love it on the I absolutely oh, hate I love it on suede the steering wheel because it's fuzzy. Uh, <laughs> it feels slimy. I, I, I absolutely What is wrong? Do you have sweaty <laughs> hands or something? It just feels gross. It just feels wrong. I just want leather or pleather no. or whatever. Anything else. Oh, pleather is wrong. Anything on a steering right. wheel. If it was wrapped in just dishcloths, I'd be, I'd be happy. <laughs> just like some old dishcloths no, sewn no, together. It has a little bit of the... I don't like it when it has metal on it. I don't like the metal on a steering wheel. Like some of them have like a piece of metal accent. Oh, yeah. And that you touch it and it accent, burns the hell out of you. Oh, on hot days. Yes, like in the summer, you're like, and there we go. The imprint of today's steering wheel across the palm of my hand. It burns your hands, people. I don't like that. <laughs> fake leather. All right. Who does the best fake leather? I think uh, Polestar. Oh, Polestar. Is that one, is is that one a vegan leather? leather? Yeah, I believe it's the Polestar is fake leather. Who okay. else does like Polestar vegan leather? The, the, uh, the X stuff in the, uh, the Mustang Mach-E I think is actually quite oh, good. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, there, there's actually, I mean, I remember growing up, you know, the... The first car I remember my dad having was a 73 Dodge Dart, you know, with, you know, 1970s vinyl seats in there. Oh, my gosh. My dad had a Dodge Dart with horrible vinyl seats. <laughs> and it, you know, they were just awful. Uh, you know, the, the vinyl, the vinyl that you got in those cars in the 70s and, and 80s was just crack. vinyl. It was, it was there yeah. was no doubt it was, that was imitation. Was ab- <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely no doubt at all that it was something created in a lab somewhere. You just slide everywhere and it would crack and then stab you in the ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was, those were bad times. Uh, so, but I think, you know what, most of the, you know what the, I think the imitation leathers now, the ones that are like imitation, not because they're trying to save money, but because they're trying to use some sustainable alternative, vegan those stuff. are the best ones when they're just yeah. trying to be cheap, when it's like the base trim of an already really low priced car and it's just like, okay, it's fake. Those aren't so great, but if it's any kind of like, we're trying to be sustainable. So this is made out of recycled, whatever. Those are normally pretty decent. Yeah, even if, that's why I go know. for. I think Polestar probably has the best. Okay, I give. I, I go it's like man-made stuff yeah. with beads yeah. or something. I don't know. They have like a whole right. like company they work with with a weird name. Yes. There's a whole big thing about all the how they all of their sustainable bits and pieces. Ada, maybe I'm gonna look it I up. I can't remember, but I do remember hearing about it when I did the drive. All the sustainable stuff they yeah. do to to make everything like all the parts. So, all right. How about bang for the buck leather? So here, I'm assuming he's talking about, uh, you know, real leather, but not the the real premium stuff. Hmm. Who is the So who's got the best cheap leather? The best cheap, best cheap leather. leather. I'm trying to think of inexpensive vehicles that I've been in that had leather. That had any kind of leather that weren't just trying to do a fake. That weren't doing like imitation leather. Oh man. God, that's I a tough know. one. I don't know that I think that there's one that stands out. I feel like most of the, like most of, the, I feel like they're all, even if it's supposed to be an imitation leather, not like we're just cheaping out. Mm-hmm. Then most of them are pretty decent. I don't know that there's one that's. Well, I, I think in this case, yeah, you know, he's, he's not looking for uh, imitation leather, just but cheap leather. actual animal hides. 
that are just, you know, not like the fancy Napa leathers or... Andrew demands which, some sort of dead animal on to, for him yeah, to sit so, on. Andrew wants so what, a dead the, animal the, under his butt. What, okay. What is, so, the, what is the, the best modern interpretation of rich Corinthian leather? Rich Corinthian. Gosh. I'm trying to think of something with a leather interior that I've driven that's not fancy schmancy. I know because the ones that come to mind are fancy cars to begin with that had these beautiful leather interiors. You can get leathers, you know, in a lot of mainstream, like you know, Toyota Camrys now, you know, and Honda Accords. Yeah. yeah. Did the yeah. Honda like Accord? If you just get the, if you just get the straight up leather interior in most cars, if it's a leather interior, it's going to be good. I mean, if you go from just leather, it's to not going to be as soft and supple, you know, as a high end Napa. I mean, it's not going to have that like. That. It's been the the perforated yeah. Napa leathers. Yeah, it, the Napa leather is the thing that makes the difference. Otherwise, the leathers that are real leather are all pretty decent, I think. Yeah. And there's not one that stands out for me. Yeah, I, I've I I've been in the the Accord and the Camry with leather, and they're both nice. Yeah. They're both decent. They both felt like nice yeah. interiors. Yeah. All right. I don't, think, I don't know if there's one that's better. They're probably sourcing Just, them all from the same people. Just avoid the 1970s era darts that Sam and my dad both had. <laughs> just get it reupholstered. Just fine. <laughs> Spy a car, get it reupholstered with rich Corinthian leather or whatever. But find, find, find an old Cordoba in uh, Cordoba. the junkyard and Cordoba. salvage seats. Cordoba out of it. with rich Corinthian leather. <laughs> uh, Ricardo Montalban, we miss you. Uh, yes, Come on. indeed. Sorry. <laughs> The way he said Kirk. <laughs> Kirk. <laughs> Come on. Oh, now I'm going to have that con thing stuck <laughs> in my head. That was not. Now I can see his con. Pause. Uh, I, think, uh, I think that's a good place to uh, cut it off <laughs> for this evening. A lot of Star Trek references today. Hey. Yeah. You can never have too much Star Trek. You yeah. should see my Christmas tree. It's loaded with Star Trek. That's why I have Star Trek on the brain. Nerd. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, of course, I'm the one that brought up Khan. So maybe I should. Yeah, right? You started. Well, I, I, no, you did, Nicole. You, oh, you I did with the, the car. I did. I did. With the little the kid at the like, red. and Yeah. Yeah, that kid's not. Okay, I started it. Fine, I started it. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, stay tuned here for uh, my interview with Aditya Jayraj from Nissan. And uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey everyone, it's Sam again. Uh, Time for another interview that I recorded during the LA Auto Show the other week. This time I've got uh, Aditya Jairaj, who is the uh, Director of Electric Vehicle Marketing and Sales Strategy at Nissan. We talked a lot about uh, the new Nissan Aria that was shown in its production form that is arriving uh, next fall here in North America, uh, as well as just uh, Nissan's overall EV strategy. Enjoy. All right. So um, let's talk about the uh, the Aria first. Um, yeah. The first of all, this is your first. This is Nissan's first new EV since the Leaf, um, and taking a very different direction from the Leaf. What is the overall strategy for the Aria? You know, aside you know, from targeting what is clearly a more popular market segment right now with compact, midsize crossovers. What's your overall strategy for? Um, going forward with EVs, starting with the Aria. Sure. 
So, you know, first of all, Nissan is, is fully committed towards electrification. Right? So we have announced that by 2030, uh, all our major models in key markets will have an electrified option. So we're fully, fully committed. Now, Aria is the first step. Um, first crossover EV from Nissan. So three things about the Aria, which I think paved the way. One, there are different battery sizes, different drivetrains. So we have an Aria for everyone, yeah. based on your needs. Not everybody needs 300 miles. It's more about education. You know, once you're educated, your range anxiety goes down, and you know you are just based on what your what your commute is and what your life situation is, right? So this is an Aria for everyone. Second, the experience that you get when you drive an Aria, it is very different. I'll give you a very simple example. This is the first model in the U.S. where we are launching ProPilot Assist 2.0, which is the next generation of autonomous driving. Stepping up from what we have on the road and the platform now. So it's eyes on, hands up. Yep. Right? So this is going to be the first model. So Aria is this at the center stage. We're introducing this technology with the Aria. So we're paving the way for what the future is going to be. We're fully committed towards electrification. There's an Aria for everyone. And it's the stepping stone towards what's going to be happening over the next decade. Okay. So you mentioned two battery sizes. Yes. Uh, what what are the sizes and estimated range that you're going to get from each configuration? So, so the big battery, the uh, 87 kilowatt battery, uh, will go up to 300 miles, and uh, the 63 kilowatt battery, I believe, is 215 miles. Okay. So, the, the, at a base level, you're starting roughly where the, the Leaf Plus is yep. today, yeah, roughly. and then. 300 for the, yep. the more premium models, yep. and I assume the single motor is going to be front-wheel drive as opposed to rear drive. That's right. Okay, and then optional uh, uh, all-wheel drive dual motor. Optional e-force is what I would call it. Yes, it's okay. all-wheel drive, but it, it's beyond all-wheel drive. Right. So, an all, when you when you think about all-wheel drive, it's it's the the typical features of you know works in inclement weather. Uh, good cornering, good acceleration, and all of that. Yes, EFORCE has all of that. But what EFORCE has, in addition to that, is it minimizes human body movement inside the car. So what we've done is we've built on the knowledge that we have from the GTR's ETESA ETS stock split system. And then we've also built on the knowledge we have from all the intelligent all-wheel drive systems from our crossovers, put them together, and we've put together EFORCE. So EFORCE is all-wheel drive, but it's a holistic all-wheel drive that gives you all the good things about all-wheel drive, but also gives you a much smoother drive, which basically reduces human body movement, so less car sickness and less fatigue. That's, that's interesting, um, you know, the, that idea. You know, I, think, I think that's a great idea you know, to have, you know, uh, to try and tune your propulsion to make it as seamless as possible, as smooth as possible for the occupants. Um, and it's something, obviously, you can do, I think, much more easily with an electric powertrain than you can with an internal combustion system. So, you see that? We have a near 50-50 weight distribution, mm -hmm. which helps. Right? And the center of gravity is pretty low. So, hence, 
you know, we're able to use these systems and provide a much, much smoother ride in addition to all the other fun stuff that all we drive in EVs provide. Uh, you know, looking forward down the road some years, you know, when you start to deploy really, uh, you know, higher level, lo- higher levels of automation, uh, robo-taxis and others, being able to use a control strategy like that, I think, can be really beneficial for those types of vehicles as well. Um, because when you're, when you're disconnected from the driving task, I know, you know, if you're a passenger in a vehicle versus the driver, when you're actively involved in the driving task, you're much less susceptible to motion sickness than you are as a passenger. That's right. So, That's right. Okay. Um, the, uh, in terms of the performance levels, uh, I, I haven't had a chance yet, unfortunately, to look at the, uh, the release that came out uh, for this, uh, but what, what kind of um, power uh, levels are you going to have in the ARIA? So, in terms of torque, which is, you know, which is what stands out in the EV, on the Platinum, EFOS will have 442 pound-feet of torque. Let me say this, instead of going into the numbers, it's almost as fast as a Z sports car. Okay. The numbers are what they are. Jeff will confirm the numbers. But it's almost as fast as a Z sports car, and it's a crossover. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that is one of the amazing things about this move to electrification is the the performance that you can get out of yeah. these things uh, because of that instant torque response, that zero RPM torque. Yeah. Um, where, you know, where do you see this vehicle fitting into the market? Because I know uh, I, I did see the the pricing on it starts I think about forty seven thousand um, dollars, which is uh, a little more than what was talked about initially, uh, you know, when the yeah, first show. So, so, just, so that's just for the starting reservation trim. Oh, so okay. Additional did, models with a smaller uh, battery. Okay, so, so that's what that. that's an extended range version at that price point. Okay, yeah. what's what's the timing going to be for launch of the the different variants? Fall. Fall of twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So. Well, but I think the question is. The additional trim levels. Uh, yeah. So when 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 is the when is the first one? Yeah. 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 So deliveries for the reservations. Okay. Sorry, I, I missed a good Deliveries for the reservations will happen in fall of 22, and due course of time, we'll have more trims that we offer. Okay. So the first first vehicles won't be available in the North American market till close to a year from now. About ten months from now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, is that uh, what about uh, Japan and other markets is launching sooner there, or is the is the, the launch delayed? Uh, it's globally? a few months before us. Japan okay. starts a few months before us, and then Europe is right there along with us. Okay. Um, for the, the the standard range variants, front wheel drive variants, um, do you, you know, have you talked at all about kind of what the price point? For those, is going to be is that going to be closer to that forty thousand dollar mark? You see that? I mean, we've talked about it all along, starting yeah. around forty. Okay. 40. All right. Uh, no, and then there's also the seventy five hundred dollar tax credit that sure. we have. Yep. So that that improves affordability mm-hmm. for yeah. customers who we're trying to target. Both both existing EV customers, but I would say the bigger subset is going to come from Conquest. Mm-hmm. And you know, in terms of footprint. Uh, the Aria is pretty yeah. close to physical footprint of a Rogue, but you know, interior volume is closer probably to at least what you get in the first couple of rows of a Pathfinder, I think. 
right? It's very spacious, you're right. Yeah. It's very spacious. And the and the reason the reason why we've been able to achieve this configuration with the RA is because it's a brand new platform. It's not an existing SUV platform that we, you know, retrofitted and made sure. an EV. It's a brand new EV platform. Um, with with the battery with the battery positioning, what we've been able to do is to create more space in the interior. Second, under the dash, usually you have HVAC systems that take up space. We've taken all of that out, pushed the dash back, put it into the into the into the hood, and what you see in the area, I invite you to take a look at the interior. It's more about what you don't see. You don't see the center console attached to the rear dash. You don't see any undulations in the floor. And you don't see any clutter of buttons. So it's basically what you don't see. Right. Right? And it's yeah, the spaciousness. Yeah, because you've got things like touch-sensitive controls in that console that di- dis- disappear when you're not using them, but as you yeah, approach them, right. they light up. That's right. And when you use them, you get feedback. It's haptic feedback. Haptic feedback like your phone. Yeah. Right? Now, in addition to that, if you look at the interior, we've got a available Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, and wireless charger. So, again, no wires mm-hmm. needed. But in case you do have a wire, you have a cord, at the center console, on the lower part, there's a place where you can wrap around the cord. Oh, okay. That's, you know, so you don't have it hanging all Not over the place. Not hanging around yeah. and, you know, getting yeah, stuck in Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. yeah. So you can wrap it around. So, the reason why I bring this up is, the interior is very spacious, right? For, for reasons that I just described, but it's very purposeful. There are there are there are, I would say even artistic touches to the interior, which actually make the cabin a place that you want to spend more time. Mm-hmm. So when I say you know artistic touches, what do I mean by that? So in the footwell, in the footwell, there's a, there's an anden light. So uh, an anden light is very typical in Japan. It's a lantern. Right, so in the footwell, in between both the drivers, there's, a, there's an anden light, and the finish is the kumiko pattern. Again, the kumiko pattern is very typical in Japan. Intricate finishes. So basically what that does, it gives you the warmth of having some interior lighting. Second, it gives you a touch of art inside the cabin. So these are very minute but very significant items that have been done on the interior. To make it very desirable. Yeah, and I think you know one of the as you, as we start as we make this transition to electric powertrains. Yeah. You know one of the traditionally one of the things that has allowed manufacturers to distinguish and create product differentiation has been their powertrain. Uh, you know different sounds, different different characteristics of the engines. And as you move towards electrification, a lot of that falls away. And so creating a unique user experience uh, is a key part of creating you know what separates one That's brand right. from another right. and all these things you've talked about you know in terms of the finishes the lights the you know the the smoothness of the control uh, you know all of those things seems like they add up to creating to trying to create a Nissan user experience absolutely for right now to add one more point to that you, you think about the interior we don't have displays We've got screens. Mm-hmm. They're cinematic screens. And one is convex and the other one's concave. Mm-hmm. 
very purposeful. The one which is further from the driver, the curvature is towards the driver, okay. making it easier for the driver to access. Right? So and that one's concave. That's concave. Con- that's concave because it's closer to the driver. And then in addition to that, you've got heads-up display, and you can customize your heads-up display. So these three, you know, these two cinematic screens and the heads-up display is basically your gateway to the outside world when you're sitting in the car. And it's all connected. So, I'll touch on one more point. You know, when you're sitting inside the car, there are different ways in which the car interacts with you and different ways in which you interact with the car. So, you talk about the senses, right? We've got lighting. I spoke about lighting. We've got autonomous driving. When autonomous driving is activated, the interior lighting changes color. It becomes blue. So, white, white is standard. Green is when ProPilot Assist 2.0 is available, and blue is when it's activated. Right, so, light. So, there's Andon lighting, and there's the interior lighting. Touch. I spoke about the haptic buttons, right? So, there's, there's that. And then, voice. So, you can sit in your car, and you, you can say, Hey, Nissan, turn up the temperature. Or you can sit in the car and say, Hey, Alexa, play my whatever, music list, or something like that. Or you can sit at home and say, hey Alexa, at home, hey Alexa, what's the battery status on my car, on my Aria? So, you can interact via sound, you can interact via touch. There are multiple ways in which this interaction happens through the senses. So, you mentioned Alexa. Are Alexa voice services integrated into the infotainment system of yes. the Aria? Uh, okay, so you can, you can use those commands in the way a, a consumer would use an Echo at home uh, and then uh, it sounds like you also have uh, support for skills, Echo yes. skills, so at home you can do yep. the status right. checking that sort of thing. Okay. Right. Um, the uh, the infotain- or, uh, you know, one of the, the things that we're seeing a lot more of as we go forward um, you know, around the electronics is the ability to update yeah. things, uh, you know, do over-the-air updates. Yeah. Um, is that something, aside from the infotainment system, which presumably you know, is, is OTA updatable, are you supporting OTA capability for other systems in the vehicle as well? Yes. Okay. Simple answer, yes. So OTA will be available on, on the area, uh, not just for you know, bug fixes and all of that, but also for feature updates. So in time, we'll get feature updates, and this basically helps keep your area fresh. Mm-hmm. So that's... Again, I think that's something customers expect, and it's available on the audio. In terms of what kinds of systems can be updated, um, does it extend to basically the entire vehicle, or is it limited to certain aspects of the vehicle? It's a, it's a vast variety of okay. systems. All right. So it's systems and features. They're different. So the vast variety of systems that can be updated via OTA and features, again, it depends on what our engineers put together and what our customers basically want. Features can also be added, not updated, but added and updated. Hey, Sam, before you leave, I probably got one or two other people who may get a little more specific. Okay. Exactly what All right. That, that's yeah. great. Um, and then uh, going back to HMI for a moment, you talked, yep. you mentioned, uh, you know, the ambient lighting changing color when yep. you enable ProPilot 2. Yes. Um, can you talk a little bit more um, about the HMI strategy around ProPilot? Because I know I've driven a number of different vehicles yes. now that yes. have hands-free capability, like yeah. Super Cruise and Ford Blue Cruise. And the, the HMI strategy is a little different. Yeah. Some of them. And especially for a hands-free system, 
I think it's you know it's really critical for the driver to be fully aware of what the state of the system is. Yes. And so if you can talk a little more about what the strategy is around sure. HMI for that. Sure. So ProPilot, this is 2.0, the basics. It's a eyes-on, hands-off system. Right. Right? And it works on on highways that have been HD mapped. Right. It uses the HD Yeah, you've had, you've had the system in Japan on the skyline in Japan on the for sky a couple line, of years. Right? So yeah. it's similar. So the key is it's eyes-on. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about setting expectations with customers, right? If a customer activates ProPilot Edition 2.0 and looks away for more than, I think it's five or six seconds, mm -hmm. the system starts beeping. Okay. Right? So it, it makes it super clear to a customer that your eyes have to be on the road. Mm -hmm. There's no gaming it. Your eyes have to be on the road. But you can sit like this. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's uh, very important in terms of expectation setting with customers. Second, when ProPara DCS 2.0 is, is activated, it's not just the interior lighting, the color of the heads-up display changes. Okay. The color of uh, uh, the screen, the screen in front of the driver, that changes too. Mm -hmm. So we're making sure the customer knows what mode they're in so they know what to expect. Yeah. Right? It's very important to, to set the right expectations with customers, mm -hmm. they should know what they're getting. The car doesn't drive itself. Right. There's active involvement from the driver while driving. This is a system that reduces stress. Mm -hmm. And if there's a situation where, you know, I, I say this sometimes, you know, if you go to a dance and your dance partner is either much better than you or otherwise, and you want to opt out of the dance, then similar, ProPilot Assist 2.0 helps you opt out of certain dances. Mm -hmm. You're on the highway, you know, the road yeah. is mapped, all of that. You can opt out of that situation, but you're still fully in control. Mm -hmm. The key is you're still fully in control. And uh, you are using uh, an infrared driver monitor system as well as part of that? Uh, to yes. Okay. Yes. Um, what's, what's the availability of ProPilot 2.0 going to be on the ARIA? Uh, uh, is it limited to particular trim levels? Uh, do you have any information about what the, the cost will be? So right now, we've, uh, we've announced four trims for reservations. Uh, the Platinum trim has uh, ProPilot Assist 2.0, and the Premier Edition, which is the, which is the launch edition, limited edition, has ProPilot Assist 2.0. So right now, based on the trims we've announced, Two out of the four trims have ProPilot Assist 2.0. It'll be standard on those two? On those two trims? Okay. And I, I would say, too, all trims will have ProPilot Assist with NaviLink. Right. Yeah. It's the standard. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. And then um, the, uh, in terms of the um, longer-term support and, and pricing, I know like for other manufacturers with hands-free systems, uh, you're getting typically three years of connectivity that supports map updates and so on. And then after that, you have to buy a subscription. Will it be a similar type of strategy for you guys? You, know, you get some, some period of time where yes. it's, it's included and then That's subscribe right. after that? That's okay. Right. The exact details we're working on, but it's, it's on those things. Okay, great. Um, so beyond ARIA, um, you know, now that you have a dedicated EV platform, it's a uh, really purpose-built one, uh, you know, going back a decade when Leaf launched, uh, at that time the management of the company uh, talked about launching a number of EVs in fairly yep. short sequence. Most of those 
never did appear, at least not in North America. Um, I think the ENV 200 uh, did go on sale in some other markets. But um, what's what's Nissan's strategy um, for launching EVs? Well, I, don't, I don't expect you to sure, tell me sure. specifically what vehicles, but sure. you know, presumably, uh, what what kind of timing do you, you yeah. foresee for adding to the EV the, the BEV uh, lineup for yeah. the brand? Yeah. So. I, you know, I think what's key here, Sam, is by the early 2030s, in, in the U.S. market, which is a major market for Nissan, our models will have an electrified option, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's key. So that's, that's the cadence on which we're going. And when you say electrified, you refer to uh, some mix of hybrid, plug-in, uh, e-power, and, and BEV? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, then one last thing sure. I want to get into, and I don't know if this is an area you can talk about or not, is is the batteries. Um, sure. You know, uh, if you can say who the battery suppliers are, and you know, or talk about the the battery architecture, because you know, uh, we're starting to see some some interesting new things coming in in terms of battery architectures from various manufacturers. And so, you know, if there's anything you can share on that, I'd appreciate that too. Uh, that's a hard one to get into. <laughs> okay, Nathan might be able to help with that one. <laughs> okay, that's a hard one. No, so. Yeah, battery supplier. Uh, I think that's that's something we we don't discuss externally. Okay. Supplier. Uh, the the battery system. You know, um, it's different from the reef. We have a it's a liquid cooled battery. Liquid cooled battery. Okay. Liquid cooled battery. You know, again, uh, designed based on performance, based on what customers are looking for. You know, again, batteries go back to charging speed, right? Mm-hmm. That that's most important. So the idea we have 130 kilowatts charging speed okay so you can go from 20% to 80% in about 30 minutes which uh, which is, is pretty competitive so to support that we need we need to have the architecture set up in such a way that you know, the batteries can handle do the thermal management the thermal management system so active, active thermal management and, and you're you're uh, you're using CCS now rather yes. than chat at least in North America yes. that is correct so in, in North America in, in, yes in North America in the US we have CCS yeah. um I know, you know, in, in uh, at least in the current generation of the Leaf, um, you know, with the Chatamo system, it has the Chatamo standard has support for vehicle to home. Uh, I know there's been devices available yep. in the Japanese market. There's yep. never there's never been anything launched in North America. Do you have any plans um, for doing anything around bidirectional charging with Aria through CCS? So you know, this is this is an area that we've seen. You know, we know how it works because it, it works on the Leaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing, you know, what customer's interest is. You know, we continue, continue to gauge what customer's interest is. We take that, and then we continue to make uh, updates on on our on our products. So it's definitely an aspect that we're considering. I'm sure you hear about more on this soon. Yeah, okay. and, and, I mean, to add to that too, we work with a, a number of companies that are working on, like you know, yeah. the aftermarket products, and mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah, we continue to work with them for certifications yeah. and things like that. Okay. Yeah, because you know, a number of the, the EVs that are coming to market now, you know, have varying supports of bidirectional capability. That's key, varying supports. Yeah, it's yeah I mean, not technically yeah. bidirectional, but yeah, you know, some, something yeah, Vita, Vita L or yeah, I mean, in the case of uh, the the upcoming Ford F one hundred and fifty, you know, it's it's doing bidirectional, you know, the power home power backup, you know, yeah. um, you know, through the through the CCS connector. Yeah. Um, 
Lucid has talked about having some sort of bi-directional capability, but they haven't really revealed yeah, details yeah, yet. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're hearing more and more yeah, from a number of a, manufacturers. Becoming some, an area that there's a lot of interest. Mm -hmm. And that is, perhaps, it has to be because customers are interested in that. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, especially you know for lifestyle vehicles, you know, there's yeah. some there's some interesting possibilities there. You know, that right. you know, if you have the ability to run other devices off of your car, you know, right. to utilize that battery power for for other things, um, especially in states like California. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Five bucks, gas is five bucks. Yes. <laughs> five, five, five bucks, and you know, yeah. power. Timing. Your your power from the grid can go away at uh, various random times, exactly. at certain right. times of year. So. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, um, anything else about the Aria or Nissan's EV strategy that we haven't discussed that we should be thinking about? You know, the one thing I will say, Sam, about the Aria, uh, you know, in my mind, for a customer making a, a transition from an internal combustion engine to an EV, the Aria makes that transition much easier. Yeah. The Aria is is a car. You know, it's, it's a car show. Yeah. Which happens to be an EV. Yeah. Right. Very very. From from a, a usage perspective, it's very conventional. They don't have to change their lifestyle very much. That's right, and that becomes even more important when more of the mainstream conversion happens. Mm -hmm. You know, right now the EV market is three, four percent, whatever it is. It's still, I think we can call it still fringe. Mm -hmm. But when it becomes more mainstream, the transition has to be easier, it has to be more seamless. And that's what the audio does. Uh, that, that does actually bring up something else I just thought of, which is around charging. You mentioned 130 kilowatt charging capability, yeah. which is great. Um, the other challenge uh, you know, that is often cited as, uh, as a barrier to adoption you know, is availability of charging. Yeah. Um, you know, some other companies are, you know, obviously Tesla's got their proprietary yeah. network. Other companies are building in aggregation across multiple charging network providers. Um, what's, what, if anything, is Nissan planning to do around that? Uh, presumably, or, I don't know, are, are you continuing to, your partnership with EVgo that you've had for a while? And are you doing anything beyond that uh, to simplify the process of adding electricity to the sure. vehicle? So, for Aria reservationists, the first 10,000 reservationists, we provide uh, $500 of EVgo credit. Okay. The key there, I would say, is to get customers to understand how to use public charging infrastructure. You need this is this is like you know once you learn how to use it, then it becomes seamless. So that's why you know we want to we want to make sure that we drive customers to using this public charging infrastructure. Then they know how to use it, right? So our endeavor is to make sure that our customers have access on their fingertips to public charging. So you know, we also have an intelligent route planner, mm -hmm. which will guide you to different charging locations. So that's that's been our that's our strategy right now, where we want to provide customers seamless access to all the public chargers that are available, so they can they can educate themselves on how these chargers work, and hence, you know, it works in many ways. It helps reduce range anxiety. Mm -hmm. It helps you know it helps increase customers' understanding of how the charging system works. Eighty percent of customers today still charge at home, mm -hmm. primarily. primarily. Right, and and you know that's to be expected. You know, primary so far, you know, EV customers are mainly early adopters. That's They've right. got access to off-street parking. That's right. But as as you expand that market, 
yeah. you're going to bring in more and more people that don't have that access to exactly. charging. Exactly. So it's going to become important. But the key is once you understand how to use it, you get over you get over that inhibition that you know it is super hard. Yeah, it is not it is not easy as going yeah, to Yeah, well, I mean, to, to your point about you know seamless, you know, certainly you can find charging stations, but if you have to juggle you know a charge point account and an EVgo account and a Electrify America account and all these others, you've got multiple accounts that you you've got to pay them. You've got to, which tag do I want to tap on the thing? Yeah, you know, are you doing anything to simplify that process for your customers? Work in progress. Okay. It's Great. a it's a it's an important customer adoption. Yeah. Uh, and you've got you know some little time yet to roll yeah. that up. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Sam. Great to talk to you. Likewise, Sam. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.